Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Healthy Dose of Dialogue podcast. I'm your host, Don Antonucci, Senior Vice President of Growth at Blue Shield of California. My guest today is Tammy Sun. Tammy is co-founder and chief executive officer of Carrot, a complete global fertility solution for today's modern employers, providing flexible financial coverage and expert care navigation across the U.S. and 50 plus countries. In this episode, we'll hear from Tammy on what inspired her to launch Carrot and get insights on how companies are using Carrot to drive down healthcare costs, attract and retain top talent, and build cultures of inclusion. Thanks for joining me, Tammy. Hello, thanks for having me. It is so good to have you here. Um, I, you know, first of all, I just want to say that uh, I've had the opportunity to watch some of your different videos and some, you know, uh, presentations that you've done, and uh, I can't wait to get into the into the story of you know how you launched Carrot. But to start out, uh, I would love to for you to share with the audience a bit about your time. Um, in your work experience before Carrot, you've got a really interesting background. Yeah, well, thank you so much for um, for having me. I'm um, a follower and a fan of of your podcast as as well, and have really enjoyed um, some of the great content that you put out. And I, I see you on Clubhouse, and so it's it's um it's it's fun to be here, and I, I appreciate the time. Um, yeah, I mean, I I certainly have had a, a, a much more sort of circuitous path to. Um, to Carrot and, and founding this company, I spent uh, quite a bit of time in, in you know a decade ago in politics and in government and policy, and um, sort of came out here seeking something different and trying to um, you know figure out what is what is sort of an impactful path for me through the private sector. And I think like one of the things that is so interesting and I think oftentimes missed is there's. Um, the, the things that attract people who work in government and policy and politics are are similar to the things that attract people who want to work in technology. Like both types of people have an aspiration or an instinct to see positive change at scale. Um, and on the one hand, you have sort of government and policy as a platform, and on the other hand, you have you know technology and tools um, and platforms that they can build. Um, but but it's just a, it's a it's a very similar sort of DNA. You said something interesting um, in one of your talks, by the way, too, that I loved around, um, and I don't know if this is just something you've used in your career or picked up, or, but around basically um, patience and impatience. And um, you know, is that something you found before you you know set up and, and started Carrot, or is that something that when you launched Carrot that you, you, because uh, you made this comment in a presentation that you did, and I thought it was really neat how you talked about it. you got to be impatient when you want to solve problems, but also have the patience to go through. Yeah, I think it's definitely something that has. Um, I think I was speaking at Grace Hopper uh, yeah. to a bunch of you know like young young female women, you know, young women in STEM, and what I was trying to communicate was one was one of the lessons that I have really learned really in this role um, through 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 building Carrot. Um, and it really didn't crystallize for me until I started until I started this company, which is, you know, on the one hand, especially in healthcare where we work, Don, like there's there are these problems that have been um, so big and seemingly intractable for such a long time. 
Um, and so one of the qualities that you really need to enter this space and try to fix them is like a sense of relentlessness. And that relentlessness is fueled by a sense of impatience, right? IVF for 40 plus years was considered a luxury consumer good. Like it didn't change. It was, you know, prices haven't gone down. Technology has advanced, but it was always like sitting outside of and adjacent to sort of the fundamental core healthcare system in this country. Um, and so I have like a very sort of almost inexhaustible sort of um, sense of impatience to try to fix that. But, you know, we also have to understand that these things don't necessarily happen overnight. And so you have to temper that with um, a sense of like where you're trying to bend the world and how, you know, how long it takes in terms of, you know, maybe it's five years, maybe it's 10 years, but it's definitely not, you know, like one or two. Yeah, I love that. That's a great point. You've got uh, a really, really cool story. So I'd love for you to share with our audience, you know, what inspired you to uh, co-found and, and, and launch Carrot? I really didn't intend to start this company at all. Um, and in many ways, like if I if I were to not do this company anymore, I'd, I'd probably be a pretty unemployable person. <laughs> um, I, I am sort of the reason that I, I started this company was um, is is from the sense of like I I have to. There is nothing else that I can do. I I was working in the private sector at, at a company called Evernote at the time, and I remember in the early days, like before I even understood what the solution was going to be, I had completely become infatuated with and fallen in love with the problem. Um, I was, you know, deep in medical literature, trying to understand, like, what is the state of the world from a, a medicine and science perspective as it as it pertains to fertility treatments and fertility care, and um, and it was it took over it took over my life. I was like flying to different um, like medical conferences, you know, taking time off from work to the point where I had to quit my job because I wasn't actually doing my job. I was literally doing this other thing full time. Um, and so it it is one of those things where I think a, a, some founders have a different approach and they, they, they land at the company and at the company that they will found and run through, you know, a, maybe a more systematic view of like, this is, these are the different types of problems that I can solve. And like, I'm going to pick this one. For me, it was, a, it was a little bit different, which is like, this is the thing that I think I'm, I'm like built to solve and contribute to the world. And, and there's very little else that I could do. When you launched Carrot Fertility, what were some of the big ahas for you going from, you know, basically working at other organizations to now really a startup? Yeah, I mean, I think the first big aha is something that you probably knew. I could have just called you, Don, and asked you and gotten an answer instead of spending, you know, six or eight months trying to figure it out myself. Which was like I was. I mean, I was new to healthcare and I was new to benefits. I knew nothing um, about it, and so in some ways, I was able to leverage a beginner's mind to think creatively about, well, like what are the new ways to fix this problem without being weighed down by um, sort of existing frameworks and expectations. But the the first like aha moment that again you probably knew in in 2017 was, in order to um, bring fertility care to the table as a first-class citizen 
with medical, dental, and vision. If what you believe is that fertility care is a fundamental human right and a part of healthcare, then there are very few consumer-based solutions that, I mean, I would even actually say there are no consumer-based solutions that can, that can achieve that outcome. Because in this country, you know, whether you like it or not, and whether you agree or disagree, more than half of all Americans get their healthcare coverage through their job. And what that means is that employers and payers are at the front lines of innovation in thinking about how healthcare is evolving in this country. So, so we, we tried a bunch of consumer-based stuff and, and, and didn't really crystallize that understanding until we started talking to benefit leaders. It's interesting because I, I have been at health plans much of my career. I've been you know doing this for 25 years, but I did yeah. spend a couple of years at a startup technology company that was focused on healthcare and working with health plans. And uh, it was humbling to, you know, it was less humbling. I think I was prepared for losing the infrastructure and all that around me. So then it was like me and hey, who's going to make that decision? Point right back at yourself. <laughs> um, but what I did learn was, boy, it's really different from the outside, even though I knew health plans about how hard it is because there's there's so much going on and there's so many things that are, um, it takes a while to shift, I think. And so I, you know, I, I got, I gained a nice respect for that, you know, before I hopped back onto the health plan side of the world. Uh, so I totally get that. I totally get that. Yeah. Now, how long has, um, Carrot Fertility been up and running? Um, so we're, we just in Q4 of 2020, we just wrapped up our third, um, open enrollment season. Um, so, you know, in that time, we now have you know over 220 um, enterprise employers, so a, a really strong sort of um, growth path. Wow! And COVID in particular, what has that done with your business model? Have you had to shift quite a bit because of it? I mean, COVID has just been such an incredible um, you know factor in how healthcare has evolved over the past you know year, uh, as you as you well know, um, and in many ways it has accelerated a lot of the changes that we um, as innovators have really been aspiring for and hoping for, um, for for a long time. And I think one of those things is really around um, the push towards telehealth and the comfort that people have in using telehealth solutions um, when physical care wasn't available for that period of time in the summer of, uh, of 2020. Um, for us, we definitely moved very quickly to rethink our product roadmap and rethink our product priorities in 2020 to double down on um, virtual care and telehealth so that our members could continue to access um, support and care at home um, when possible. Um, of course, you know, if you need access to IVF care, you have to physically go into a clinic and get that type of access. But increasingly, um, what we're seeing is there are interventions and we've developed sort of personalized products and interventions that do help people access more of that care at home. And I think that's a change that we're seeing across the, across the industry as well. I've heard you also talk a bit about, and I'm curious for you to expand on it, that a lot of people think about the Facebooks and, you know, the, the large technology companies of the world are the ones that provide this type of care and access. And I think you found and you're seeing with your model that it's expanding to all different size, you know, accounts. And so 
Could you describe the pattern that you're seeing and what that expansion looks like? Yeah, I mean, I you know, you mentioned Facebook and in a lot of ways, you know, those first technology movers, Facebook in particular, made it possible for egg freezing to be catalyzed sort of into the mainstream as a core part of health benefits and healthcare. Um, they were the first to do it. They were the first to put a stake in the ground. Um, and in some ways, I think if you you know look back historically, it really was sort of a catalyzing point that um, began to shape the thinking of the rest of the economy. And that's not just like the Facebooks of the world. What we see now is Fortune 50s, Fortune 500s. You know, we have customers in retail and transportation, oil and gas, you know, finance, management consulting, um, food and beverage. And I think it is um, it it is no longer the case that people think about fertility care as a coastal issue um, or a tech you know worker issue. Um, where where I think a lot of those residual sort of misconceptions were probably still stronger, you know, four years ago when when we were first getting started. But I think what you're seeing now is a lot of evidence that, you know, people everywhere think about think about fertility, um, like biology and those biological you know issues and the biological clock, both for men and women, for males and females. Um, is is the same whether you live in New York or you know in the middle of the country, and so this is one of those things that I think you know we have always really believed is a fundamental part of human health. And what I will also say um, in terms of like the misconceptions that I am really excited to see begin to be dismantled within healthcare around fertility is this is this concept that the endpoint of fertility is women's health. Um, and I do think um, that, you know, that it is a part of women's health. Fertility care is a, is a crucial part of women's health, but it is importantly a fundamental part of human health. 40% of people who enroll in our program um, are males. And it's important for women that this become a human health issue. It's important for women that the responsibility and opportunities of managing this aspect of healthcare is shared. Um, so I, I feel very strongly that, um, you know, the evolution away from elite coastal care and the evolution away from, oh, this is a, a women's issue is, is generally positive. Yeah, I remember you sharing that stat. It, it's incredible about, you know, because I think a lot of people think women right off the bat, but you said yeah. 40, was it 41% or 40% men. Um, so w with the types of services and programs that CARE offers, could you describe that and then maybe talk a little bit about how you see it even evolving further? So we, we, we own a payments platform. Um, so we, we handle all the claims. Uh, we've handled tens of millions of dollars in claims. And the fastest growing claim type that we see year over year is actually related to gestational carrier care or surrogacy, like commonly known as surrogacy. That is driven, that growth is driven primarily um, by males. So same sex male couples who are pursuing parenthood through the acquisition of a donor egg and then a gestational carrier or surrogate. Um, 
And so that is like an area that I think is really, really um, interesting. And we're seeing a lot of activity activity there. And, and it makes sense, right? Like I think the last research that I saw was nearly 70% of LGBTQ millennials expect to pursue parenthood in some way, whether it's adoption, whether it's reciprocal IVF, whether it's gestational carrier care, like that's on their sort of life roadmap. Um, and so the demand for these types of services will become, um, you know, not just more prevalent, but I think it will it will challenge employers to think about how do you create, you know, health plans and health coverage that are inclusive of everyone. How do you see uh, the evolution happening? Like, what are the things in the pipeline that you're working on for Carrot, say, over the next, you know, 24, 36 months? You know, so we've been global since day one, and we've really gone global, I would say, in partnership with our employer customers. So we, we now reach, you know, 50 plus countries around the world, hundreds of thousands of members um, and their partners and spouses. So we'll continue to do that in combination with our US multinational customers um, in terms of our, our global footprint and our global expansion. Um, where I think you know, we will begin to deliver even more value to our customers is around personalization and data. So you know, when, a, when a member comes into the Carrot product and has specific backgrounds and goals and um, you know, pre-existing conditions, like, what is the right care plan for them? What is what is the right provider for them? Not just based on like which provider happens to be in your zip code or which high quality provider happens to be closest to you. All of that's important, particularly for fertility care, where you have to go to that provider, you know, every day for two weeks. But what is the ability to say for a person like you, for a person with your goals, they have been successful doing this path um, and really getting down to that level of personalization um, and routing for members. Love that. Love that. I know that, um, you know, at Blue Shield of California, it's super important for us to keep going down, you know, the path of creating care that's both personal and personalized for yeah. members at, you know, at an affordable price. And there's lots of really interesting ways to do that. And the technology really does exist out there to make that happen. So that is really exciting. That, that's, that's excellent. I was going to ask you a bit about um, just something that you've learned throughout 2020 mm. that you think is benefiting you in 2021 and beyond. The thing that I've really come to appreciate in this past year um, well, it's a few things. Like on, on, on the more flippant side, as it turns out, we don't need to be traveling as much as we all have been doing. Um, I actually said to somebody the other day, like, I actually miss the United Lounge, um, as, as crazy as that sounds. <laughs> um, uh, but I think the, the, other, the other sort of more serious and substantive thing is really the importance of recovery um, and focusing on like recovery as a part of health. Um, and, you know, we are this, especially for, for folks like us who are sort of, you know, th this, this, this journey of building a company is very much a, a marathon and, you know, athletes and, you know, marathon runners and athletes, like you need recovery and really intentional, thoughtful recovery. So like over the past year, I've really learned how to think about like my sleep, for instance, um, like 
as it turns out, super impactful, super important <laughs> to sleep. Um, and so sort of carving, carving that out intentionally in an environment over the last 12 months where we've all just been at home and those lines have been really blurred, forcing yourself to think about like, how are you going to recover um, from the week or from the last two weeks or from the last intense few days is, has been something that I think I'll, I'll certainly take with me in, into the post-pandemic world as well. I love that, Tammy. It's something I've been focused on, our company's been focused on as well with our employees. I mean, getting time where you can just unplug or unfocus time is so important to produce focus. And I know I'm I'm somebody as well that I'm just always interested in resilience and, you know, how do you how do you either improve or maintain, you know, mental and health resilience. And so love that you're looking at that. I'm the same way too. I, you know, I, I, I look at things like sleep, nutrition, food and all that, and I always have, but there's something about, you know, 2020 and, and how we've gone to this virtual environment where, you know, you really have to create those, that time and space for yourself to unplug um, because we're working in a different way. And in some ways it's more concentrated um, yeah. and home or blending. So, I'd love to ask you what's one thing that you would like to um, share or ask um, of anyone that's listening to this podcast? What I would ask folks to think about is really sort of the, what we what we talked about earlier, which is like really reexamining your um, you know preconceived notions or expectations around fertility and women. Um, it, it is so, so important that more women have access to better healthcare. That is absolutely true. Um, particularly um, black women um, and BIPOC, the BIPOC population, um, where we, we've been really focused on the last year and thinking about what our contributions can be to that and what kind of um, features we can build in the product. So it is vitally important that fertility is considered um, a part of women health, but I would encourage people to challenge sort of um, ending there, right? Not stopping there, really extrapolating and extending fertility to be a part of everyone's responsibility. This is a core part of fundamental health care. Um, and so what are the implications of that for you, for your family, for your partners, for your friends? Love that. Now I'm going to hit some rapid fire questions with you. And if you could give okay. a word answer or, you know, sometimes, you know, folks can't stick to one word. So a few words is okay. Um, but okay. what's, what is one thing that you do to stay healthy? Um, I sleep. Love it. What's your favorite thing to do on weekends? I cook. I love to cook on the weekends. All types of food or what is there a specific kind that you like to cook? Um, I've gotten into baking this year, um, sort of uh, keto baking, oddly. It's like a weird sort of offshoot of baking. Um, I don't know that most people would find my, my baked goods that delicious, but, uh, but I, I've sort of gotten into that. <laughs> What's your favorite book or something that you're currently reading? Um, I've actually gotten really into fiction, um, again, as a way to recover, because just sort of giving your mind a, a bit of a break. And I'm reading a, a really um, cra a crazy, a fascinating thriller called Pretty Girls right now. Excellent. And what is the most used app on your phone? Um, definitely Amazon Prime. <laughs> 
Very nice. Well, thank you so much, Tammy. This was um, really a great uh, discussion. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was super fun. Thank you, Don. And thank you for all the listeners out there for taking the time to listen. I hope you walked away with insights on trends in fertility care and how it impacts the workplace and ways that Carrot is transforming fertility care to make it affordable and accessible for all. For more information about Carrot, visit www.carrotfertility.com. Thank you.